Hi, welcome to the Not Your Average Life Coach podcast. My name is Kay Wilson and I'm a self-empowerment coach and intuitive energy healer. And I am obsessed with helping you step into the most powerful version of yourself. If you are ready to overcome your self-doubt, transform your relationship with love, money and self-worth and start creating the future you that you have always dreamed of becoming, you're in the right place. My desire with this podcast is to help you transform the relationship you have with yourself by sharing with you tools and perspectives that will help you actualize the life you have dreamed of creating. Treat this podcast as your own personal treasure trove of rich ideas, practices and teachings that will transform your day-to-day experience. Joining me is the magnificent Kaz, who as a client of mine has experienced firsthand the effect empowerment energy work and mindset reframing can have on your life. Hi guys, I first came to Kay a few years ago and at the time I needed to make some serious changes in my life. I had just come out of a bad relationship. I was managing a business with a team of over 150 people and I needed to make some changes that I didn't have the tools or capacity for. Working with Kay has been the catalyst I've needed. Since meeting Kay, my whole world has opened up personally, professionally and emotionally. I'm now happily married with a new perspective on life, and I'm excited to see what she can do for you. Today, we're going to talk about tools to overcome fear. And I think Kaz is pretty excited about this episode. This is my favorite topic. I I used to say manifesting was my favorite topic, but this one is because this was the you know how you really hope for one of those aha moments? So the fear topic was that aha moment for me. So I'm really excited to dive into this because it has changed the way I uh, work with people, the way I respond to people, the way I recognize people. So let's dive in. Okay, great. Well, before, just before, I love your enthusiasm, Kaz, but let's just, (laughs) before we jump in, I want to firstly just like preface the session with an explanation as to like where this kind of comes from, where what I'm going to share today, what we discussed today actually kind of originates from. Um, And that is because I learned or kind of discovered a lot of this through all of it really through the energy healing work that I like started with essentially so five years ago or six years ago rather I was in corporate I've been in corporate for 15 years I was really unhappy wanted to find my purpose wanted to be in service all of the things and I won't go into it in this podcast but I basically found my way into Reiki healing this is where I started and the reason this connects with fear is because Inevitably, people would come to me with aches and pains or stress or anxiety, all things that Reiki is really, really powerful with. And I would tune into their body's energy and help the blocks, the energy blocks in their system, which were creating, which we thought at the time were creating a lot of their stress or aches or pains. And I would help that energy dissipate you know, through the work that I did and through the experience that I gained. um, I mean, I was obsessed. I am still obsessed with energy work, as you know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Embarrassing. It's not. I love it. No, it's great. (laughs) Um, But what I really discovered or came to appreciate very quickly was that the body is actually 
helping us manage the emotional responses that we are having to our day-to-day experiences. What do you mean by that? Yes, I'm glad you asked. So essentially, we're walking around every single day, living our lives. And, you know, when we're on holiday and we're by the pool and we're drinking cocktails and we're just lapping up the sun, all everything is good. We are at peace. Everything feels amazing. And guess what? Our energy responds to that. Our energy feels good. Our body, our flow is at ease. Everything is well. When we have a situation around us in our, or we find ourselves in an environment that does not feel good to us, someone says or does something, or something happens, which means that we do not feel safe for some reason, we energetically respond to it, which means that we have an emotional response and our emotions and our energy are completely intertwined. And what your body will do is it will try to support you through that experience by taking that icky feeling that you feel inside, we've all had it, the the anxious butterflies in the tummy or the tightness in the chest and create it's those feelings are created by an energetic reaction a vibration, if you like, that our emotions are creating. And our body takes that vibration, that icky feeling, that emotion, and it buries it somewhere in our being to enable us to continue to operate apparently normal to the outside world, whatever normal looks like. But what it's, all, what it's really doing is kind of storing everything in different places and what can happen over time is you have similar experiences and that energy just builds up and builds up and it can compromise your energy which means that that part of your body is more prone to illness more prone to injury and so I've had I've literally had people come into my clinic limping and walk out because we have done energy work and it can also be past experiences and you, you might not even recognize. And that's why this is so important because you might not recognize that you actually have this going on within your body. Mm-hmm. So if there's a particular place in your body that's ached for a long time or reoccurs, it actually might not, everyone thinks it's just muscular or get a massage or whatever, but it could actually be Uh, tied to the energy within your body is what you're saying yes largely the reason that we have a lot of emotional energetic reactions is because of fear fear that is being experienced in lots of different ways and our reaction to it is what is creating these energetic experiences that then sit in our body and can lead to illness and aches and injury yeah absolutely but I'll also say if you understand this in in your own lives then it can change the way you look at yourself but it can change the way you interact with others as well because you can recognize it in other people so what are different ways or behaviors where um fear shows up up. Yeah. yeah okay so fear can show up in so many different ways and I find that you have ongoing symptoms I suppose if you like or behaviors really and then you have your kind of in the moment behaviors so to explain when you are living with lots of behaviors that might circle around being busy being sarcastic being bitchy worrying even eating disorders addictions anger which 
often equals frustration, okay? These are moments that we all experience. And yet actually in what I've observed time and time and time and time again with clients, all of those behaviors stem from fear. And to explain some of that, because people are like, I'm sarcastic, I'm not scared. Okay, <laughs> so, and I understand that because I used to be really sarcastic. In case you haven't noticed, I have an English accent. We are known for our sarcasm, okay? And I prided myself on being quite sarcastic. It was only in my own journey, my personal journey and observing clients that I realized that sarcasm is actually a really powerful defense mechanism. When you're out there being sarcastic, you are essentially turning around to the people you're with and you're saying to them, I am really sharp. I am intelligent and I use my wit. Establishing dominance through sharp comments. Through oh, that is so true. Establishing yeah. dominance. That's exactly right. Humor and sarcasm. Yeah. Oh. Which is like under this guise of, oh no, I'm just funny and cool but really when you really really sit with it it's like well actually we only ever do things that we value so I'm not trying to paint this as if you're sarcastic you're a bad person that is not what I'm trying to say at all it is if you're sarcastic this is an opportunity for you to get to know yourself better and help yourself feel safe so in the example of sarcasm for Mm -hmm. example what could be the underlying um reason for reasons why you might be sarcastic yeah it's predominantly because um you are for whatever reason you are feeling a need to um establish with the people around you a boundary and this boundary is you know don't come too close because I will use my wit to undo you or um and, and also you know And it can be, it's often a sign that essentially we don't really feel safe. You know, we only ever do things to protect ourselves when we don't feel safe. And it doesn't mean that the people around you are necessarily attacking you either. It It can mean, and this is really always my big, this is the core of all of it. You are not lined up with yourself because you might be the one attacking you. You might be standing in a social situation where you don't feel comfortable. You don't feel enough. You've been comparing yourself to the people around you and you don't feel like you you have the right to be there or you just don't feel safe for whatever the reason might be. And the internal dialogue is one that is really uncomfortable. And so you might be using sarcasm as a response to your internal dialogue it might have nothing to do with the people around you but this is just the experience you're having inside and you're using sarcasm to make people laugh to feel safer or deflect or deflect exactly laugh or deflect so and I think that that behavior whether it's sarcasm or control or busyness or bitchiness or jealousy or addictions or whatever it might be yeah let's talk a little bit if you don't mind just because bitchiness is another one I just want to be very clear about how I've observed this to just give people a deeper understanding of what we're talking about so bitchiness this is also something I used to do a lot of and I was guilty of this too and now I recognize why I think it's really common thing you know yeah I really do. And 
And again, it's because when, okay, so what are we doing when we're being bitchy? Okay. We are observing another and we are finding fault in them. Okay. And when we find fault in others, that helps us feel a sense of satisfaction because we are in some cases putting ourselves above that person. We're putting someone down in order to make ourselves feel better. And it also can help us feel um, a sense of control, which helps us feel safe. It also can help us feel a sense of belonging. If we're in a group of people that are doing this, it helps us feel safe again. So it's just, as I said, I don't want to paint these behaviors as bad. It's more about observing them as indications that you don't feel safe on the inside. Mm. Because if you're in a bitchy environment, but you can stand there and observe the person that they're bitching about and say to yourself, well, I actually don't feel good about what's going on here. This doesn't feel nice to me. I don't want to take part in this. I don't want to contribute to it. The reason you're able to do that is because within yourself is safe. It's a place that doesn't need approval from the people around you. Oh, everyone needs to hear that. Everyone needs to hear that because it's it, it will change. If using that example, if that's something that's happening in your life, I've done it. I've looked at relationships around me and using that example, the bitchy, bitchiness one or jealousy or whatever it is, I've shifted my friendship groups and then that enabled me to open up to new friendship groups with a different energy because I felt good about myself and I trusted myself. And therefore the people that have probably entered my life are more in line with that energy. So it's quite powerful if you can, if you can follow that thought and recognize it in your, not just yourself, but in others as well. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, and thanks for sharing that because you're exactly right. Like when you are, the people around you, as we covered in last, the last episode, the people around you are always reflecting you. So if you're in a group of people that are really bitchy, you know that there's bitchiness inside of yourself. Mm. When you gain awareness of that and decide to make a change, I'm no longer willing to be bitchy about others. Then you can start to make different choices around who you spend time with. And the people around you have a massive influence on who you are. So choosing to opt out of the bitchiness, as you say, does invite new people in and equally it then reflects the shift in you. So your energy has changed. Therefore, the circle around you is of a different vibration, a different energy, a better energy for your benefit in many cases, because they're going to support that safety that you're now establishing within yourself. So busyness is also the other one I want to talk to. This is such a, a common thing. Okay. And to be busy has been highly glorified in our culture because it represents that. I think of purpose when I think of busyness, like I tie that to like, I'm busy and therefore I have a purpose. Okay. Am I right? This is good. Keep going down that. So why do you need a purpose? What does that say about you? Oh, well, in, in this culture, it says that I'm therefore worthy. Yes, I'm important, I am contributing, I am valuable, I am worthy. Everything we've just said is in reference to the opinion of others about us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's all about how people are perceiving us. Yes. 
the amount of times specific like especially in lockdown I've had clients turn around to me and say you know I can do I do everything that I need to do in my day but I still find time to go for a walk or do something that I would never never normally have the chance to do and it's because I don't have someone breathing over my shoulder and and the reality is you're always going to get done what you need to get done. So there's so how does it tie to fear, busyness? And I, I understand what you're saying, but how does it tie to fear? Well, from an energetic perspective, that they are constantly rushed. And it means that the time that they're putting into things is not as dedicated or focused as it could be. And it means that they aren't sitting within themselves in a content way whilst they're doing what they do, because they are consistently asking themselves, should I be doing more? Should I be doing something else? And so busyness is a sign of, yes, wanting to prove yourself to others, but also, again, wanting to prove something to yourself. Mm. That was a hard one to tackle in lockdown. Being, not being busy or accepting that you don't have to always be busy. Uh, a bit of both at, at first because that you don't always have to be busy because you tie busyness with productivity and if I'm productive then I'm achieving things and achieving things that means I'm goal orientated and and it just keeps going and going and going so realizing that sometimes it's okay not to be busy and trust yourself that if something needs doing you will do it mm -hmm. the way that suits you and that's not to say being busy is a bad thing. I don't, I don't think being busy is a bad thing because it all comes in waves from time to time. Mm -hmm. But needing to prove that you're busy to other people yeah. is probably the, the catch. And also the way that you do it. So the way that you show up in your busyness, that's always going to be the key. As I've said earlier, these aren't bad things. It's about the reasons behind them and how you're sitting in them in the moment. And if you're sitting there stressed because you're busy, it means that your energy isn't around calmly moving through your day, achieving and producing whatever it is that you need to do. It means that you have a story inside that says, I'm not doing enough fast enough, or I've got so much on my plate. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. That is busy energy. I want to just keep talking to you know the issues that show up and then I am going to start talking to the solutions and the reason that I want to talk to the issues is because I think a lot of us don't understand how much of our behavior is related to fear actually I think and you know when you get clarity around it it can help you seek to help yourself can we just would you mind just listing a few of these behaviors that I've got in front of me because I mean, I, I, it's a bit confronting when you do realize how many behaviors are linked to fear. Yeah, well, busyness, sarcasm, bitchiness, worrying, eating disorders, addictions, anger, frustration. These are often, I, I see all particularly those ones around control. So it's about establishing control in some way and helping yourself feel safe. Um, you know, when you worry about something, you feel like you're actually doing something in a weird sort of way, but you're not. You're actually just running a story through your head that's creating fear inside your system. You're not impacting change on the situation. But it's that sense of if I worry about this, then I'm doing something about it, at least. 
which is this false illusionary sense of control. Um, eating disorders, I think people have an understanding that that can be around control, um, and that can be for a variety of reasons, uh, depending on the case. Um, and addictions as well, that can be, and I mean addictions, this can be addicted to going to the gym 10 times a week. You know, addictions aren't always about gambling and drugs. Like addictions can be supposedly what one might perceive to be quite healthy on the outside, but it's just about the amount that you're doing something and the reasons behind why you're doing something. Do you mean reasons why, whether it's coming from a place of fear in that I have to do this in order to be X or I just enjoy doing it because it gives me the following, which is more coming from a place of love. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. So it's whether you're coming from fear or you're coming from love. And one that comes up for people frequently is how they keep the state of their homes. Mm, <laughs> okay. So I'll give an, I'll, I'll use my example that I spoke to Kay about because I'm, I'm working on it, but I don't know what it is. There is a particular area of my house that we live in. It's the kitchen and living and dining and whatever. And I have these cushion covers that they can look a little messy once people have sat on them. I like things neat. I like them to look, I like everything placed away. And if I come out in the morning and the kitchen's not done and it it looks a little messy, I'm slightly OCD. I will, I will admit that. It just makes me feel like I'm not on top of things. So I like to control the space basically. It drives my husband nuts. Like it, the poor thing, he's he just he tries so hard to keep up to my stand, <laughs> but I do. So I don't know what that, why that relates to fear. So, I think I do. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you, why do you need to be in control of that to that degree? Uh, part of me just likes it a certain way. Mm-hmm. The other part of me. Well, if I think of my day-to-day -day interactions, uh, particularly in, in lockdown, if I have that done, then I can go and focus on something else and be productive and laughing <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere. Whereas it's sort of like, if that's in control, then the rest can flow on from that. Mm -hmm. so you're and so when you say if that is in control the rest can flow it seems to me like that it creates some sort of sense of peace within you right because the reality is it doesn't actually matter what state your home is in if in your mind and heart you feel at peace right yes and I'm trying to learn to disconnect between me feeling like I'm under control by a room like I should feel in control within myself is what you're saying and I, I totally get that but there is a part of me that just likes you know when I sit there I'm like it's all done you yeah know? and so and that's and this is good so why do you like it do you think does it create a sense of something within you peace there yeah you go, right? so you're using an external tool your living area as a, a source of finding internal peace now I get it and that's great if it works but what happens when you're out somewhere and everything's a mess then how do you find internal peace this is the thing 
if I follow the thought, it's totally, I need to bin it because it's totally fine. If it was an absolute dump and there was crap everywhere, what would then happen? I'd be fine. And if, if I thought of the disaster of that room, it's fine again. So I think a lot of the, uh, this is maybe not the best example, but when you follow the, the thought, the thought you realise so, that it's, it's actually not, yeah, it's not really serving me. That's it. And so what we actually want to recognise is that you're actually using an external factor to create an internal reality. And that's always going to be really disempowering. So internal factor to feel internally secure. This is the basis of people pleasing. This is the actual foundation of it because you're looking for someone else's approval to feel good inside yourself. This is constantly giving other things or people control over your internal atmosphere environment, right? And the source of everything you experience comes from how you're feeling internally. And so it, the keeping your space tidy thing is really beautiful example because it's not that you need to keep it in an untidy space to force yourself to create peace within it's actually the alternative is the opportunity to recognize that your space is an extension of yourself and your inner being yes. so if your home is a sanctuary it might not be like super duper tidy and you know dust free but it can still be a space where if you walk into it you feel love Mm. you feel warm and welcomed that and you feel like you've walked into someone's heart you've all we've all been to those people's houses you walk into their place you're like oh wow it feels so yummy here and it's not because it's sparkling clean. In fact, often when you walk into a place that's sparkling clean, you feel a bit uncomfortable because you're like, oh, I don't want to get dirt anywhere. Totally. <laughs> you're feeling the energy of that space, which is, oh my God, everything has to be perfect because then I will feel perfect. And I hear a lot of mothers talk like that too about, you know, oh my God, the place is a dump. Like, I hope that doesn't reflect badly on my mothering. It's like, that when you hear someone say that out loud it sounds crazy but that that's what they're internalizing that that it reflects poorly on on them so oh, what- yeah. motherhood's a whole different ball game um we are going to cover that in an episode because and <laughs> the irony is i'm not a mother but i'm not I- a mother yet either yeah right so what i would like to talk to you however is how i would like us to value our mothers um, but we will talk about that in another episode. What I would say, though, just on this point, as you brought mums into the equation, is I went to a friend's place like a, a few weeks back. And I mean, they're beautiful children. They're both under like two or three. I don't know. They're super young, both their kids, boy and a girl. And their place is reflective of that, which yeah. is, you know, they got bits of stuff everywhere. And I got there and I was like filled with joy because I did not want to get there and find it all tidy. I wanted, I wanted to, it was a massive compliment to me that this mum felt safe enough within herself and with me and my husband, he came with me, um, to have her place as it was. Yeah, that's nice. I felt welcomed into their heart. If I'd got there and found it all perfectly tidy, I'd be like, oh, I know what's happened. I'm like, we've all done this. Like, you know, like quick, put that in that cupboard or, you know, whatever it is. And 
is when I walk in someone's home and it's not perfect, I feel like I've walked into their heart and it's such a big compliment mm. and I feel really honored. Mm. So um, we've gone off on a tangent as ever. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to talk to some of the physical expressions that I see of these of fear actually um because what i said as i said earlier the way i have kind of explored all of this has been through working energetically and um and anger actually something we've not yet touched on is normally a, a large form of control and um and this is something people use to control others a lot of the time but largely internally they use anger and judgment to control themselves internally. So this is how they internally experience fear. So they bully themselves, they judge themselves, they criticize themselves, they self-sabotage. Um, and this is really, it's really, really common, okay? And the I see it a lot actually in tummy issues, digestion issues. That is where I, I frequently feel anger, not always, but a lot of the time. And mostly when people have digestive issues, and it's more women than men that I see with this, and it's largely because they're being really critical of themselves. Mm. And they've kind of like contracted in their tummy area. And when you talk about tummy issues, you're talking about tummy, digestive, bowel, yeah, I have seen a predominant effect, if you like, of anger in digestive complaints. Like a lot of the time when people come with digestive complaints and I tune into the energy around there, it's largely around self-attack. People often think their body is working against them. Your body's always working for you. It's basic, and this is actually one of the biggest challenges people have in terms of learning how to work with themselves because we're really trained to outsource our health to others and actually when you understand how much control you have over your own system through your emotions you can start to change the energy in your own body really powerfully and that can have a massively beneficial effect on your health can you give me an example yeah. So for example, someone who has like tummy ache, for example, or regular, those aches and pains that you just can't explain. A lot of these kind of things will come into me because they've gone to see the Cairo and the doctor and no one can do it. And I'm the end of the line. <laughs> so they're desperate and they'll come and see me and we'll tune into the, the body. And when I say tune into, I'll ask them, what do you feel? And they'll say, I have tummy ache. And I'll say, okay, now will ask the body to take us to the experience attached to that energy, which means that you will then have a flashback to an experience where you generally have felt either felt fear. Okay. And that has been expressed in any of the things I've just talked about, busyness, yep. you know, anger, etc. And, and we will talk to the version of you that felt that way. So if you were 15 and you were angry with your mom for not letting you go out and be with your boyfriend, we'll talk to the 15 year old version of you and we'll help her feel seen, feel heard, feel valued, feel respected. And then we will reintegrate that 15 year old with you. So your energy, basically your story, your, 
your experience that created that emotional reaction, the energy in that will be reintegrated into your flow. And that I've seen I've, happens all the time. Your tummy ache will disappear because there's no longer any energy there that is not being allowed to flow properly. Energy blocks, as people understand them, are basically a buildup of energy that's got nowhere to go. And it creates discomfort. Mm. And the tummy area, which I think is why it, it often uh, relates to, um, you know, internalizing a lot of things is because two fingers below your tummy button is what's known as the sacral chakra. Now, this is an energy center. And this is basically your home of creativity. This is for women. This is where your womb is, right? So it's a really powerful center. And as you know, when you are trying to be creative, if someone's standing over you saying, come up with an idea, you know, be creative, like really kind of hard on you, the likelihood is you're not going to be creative at all because you feel scared. You don't feel yeah. respected or nurtured. And, and so if we are looking after that person, if we're supporting them and nourishing them and assisting them and, and caring for them, they're going to be able to be creative. And so this energy center, if we are being challenging or tough on ourselves, critical on ourselves, this energy center is compromised. It's not being nurtured and supported. So shifting the way, yes, in the immediate moment, we shift the energy of that area of your body to support you and help you feel better in the instance. But then I will start working on that person's approach to their self narrative and their relationship with themselves. So that in the future, when someone says or does something challenging, or they internally feel compromised in any way, they have the tools to change the way that they treat themselves which means that their energy changes and they no longer need to create that block in their tummy. Their body doesn't need to do that anymore. So the relationship with yourself is really the core of all of this. So would you say if, if you are not driven by fear internally, you have a completely different energy because you're not seeking external validation for behaviors? Are we using bitchiness sarcasm control eating disorders addiction because we haven't dealt with what's going on inside yes yeah and it's not conscious most like all these things are unconscious you know when we talked about sarcasm you were like oh of course you know i mean and i had to sit with that like these are socially acceptable ways of showing up that one really hit me because when we were talking about sarcasm just as an example <laughs> you said when you see someone that's really really sarcastic it breaks your heart <laughs> my yeah <laughs> and I, um I've been thinking about it since we had that conversation about the people in my life that are sarcastic mm -hmm. and I can see why they're sarcastic now because mm -hmm. I've had that conversation with you I can now recognize it so I hope that people are if anything that they take from this are just able to look at their own behaviors but look at other people's behaviors and how that integrates into your life mm. um because it's actually quite powerful yeah i mean it it's that's why pointing out all these seemingly superfluous behaviors is i think really important because when we really sit with the meaning behind them we start to really understand ourselves at a much deeper level and it gives us so much scope for self empowerment you know, anything that we can adjust, adapt or improve on within ourselves is going to lead us somewhere powerful. 
inevitably. And so when we aren't looking at how we're showing up, we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to, you know, experience life from a much more powerful place. And I think that, as I said earlier, you know, we've become so adjusted and accepting of behaviors that are destructive, really, that we don't even question them. And, and so that's why it's really important to kind of, you know, just pull these ones out and really examine them because they are so commonplace and yet they stand for so much. And, you know, one thing I'd like to say though about it all is, yes, when I see someone being really sarcastic, my heart, like I feel for that person, but I also recognize that it's their journey and they are doing the exact right thing for them in this moment. Mm. And it's not for me to set them right. Mm. I share my ideas and beliefs. And when a client comes in and they like, help me, I'm like, cool, and I'll help them. But I don't by any means go around to people that I know that are, you know, when I observe these behaviors in people around me, I honor it because I know I was there too once. And that that was a perfect time and a perfect experience for me. And each of us is on this perfect journey and perfect timeline. And actually, you know, the more we can just honor the differences in each other and stop feeling the need to impose our beliefs and ideas on one another, I believe there'll be far less suffering. When we can celebrate our uniqueness and our differences fully, authentically, we'll live in such a fun place because we'll be open to new things as opposed to in this kind of survival mentality where we close down and contract and judge everything because we're trying to protect ourselves. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say to that as well, you know, when I talk about my example of friendships and bitchiness and look, that's not to say in my, when I say I've um, brought new energy and friendships into my life, that's not to say there's no bitchiness anywhere. That's not to say there's no jealousy anywhere or whatever. Mm. I actually quite admire that I have friendships with people with different opinions, different behaviours, different outlooks on life, because if I would imagine that if I didn't, I'd be in an environment where everyone's like me and therefore everything's okay because we're all in this together. And, you know, so I can actually sit back sometimes when I see behaviours just because you understand them in more detail, like this conversation doesn't mean that you need to turn into a fixer. No, I did go through that phase. <laughs> I'll own that. I did I, go through that. I've tried to do that too. But then like we've talked about in other podcasts, you would limit their ability for their own growth. So what I can actually do now is just sit back and quietly recognize, oh, she might be reacting to me that way because it's coming from a place of X. And mm-hmm. like you're saying, a lot of it can come from, fear Mm. so yeah I I agree with you just and it it doesn't mean you can't be a sarcastic person or you can't be this it's just acknowledging it yeah and just being very honest with yourself about where that's coming from and why that's necessary and actually really seeing it as a signal that you're not comfortable yeah you know you might be in a situation where so you know I had an old boss call me up about a year and a half ago or so and she called me and we had a chat and it was like I dropped into old me and she asked me how I was going with my work and I said to her and I can't believe to this day I said it I said oh you know you taught me you got to fake it till you make it 
And I thought, anyway, and carried on the conversation, ended it. And then I put the phone down and my entire body, it was like this tidal, this tsunami went through me of shame. Because I was like, why did I say that? Why did I diminish everything that I have cultivated and become by saying that you fake it till you make it? Why? Because I wanted her approval. I slipped right back into, I need your approval. And I put, and as I sat in that, I felt this wave of self anger, self judgment, self criticism. And then my awareness kicked in and I said to myself, wow. This is a powerful opportunity for UK to forgive yourself and to accept that you needed that approval in that moment and that you slipped into old energy and this is all a-okay. Got you, girl. Don't worry. And that energy doesn't serve you, so bin it. Well, well, this, now this is the the good, this has all been a good part, but this is a particularly juicy part. Because now we're going to talk about, because I know you've been busting to get here, um, how we start to move through this stuff. Okay. So understanding firstly that you can never destroy energy. Energy is always there. So it's actually how we transform it or transmute it. What I did as an energy healer was I transformed the fear into love. When I work on someone, all I am doing is sending them love. That is it. How they receive that comes in whatever way is perfect for them. But all I ever do, and you'll know this through the practices that we've done together. When I'm asking you to work on your own energy, I will often ask you to call in a child or animal that you really, really love. And the reason that I do that is because I want you to tune into the vibration, the feeling of love in order to help you transform or transmute fear, doubt, whatever the energy might be that we're trying to shift. Mm. Okay. So are you even saying what I just said, you know, we use words like shift and cut cords and rudder, rudder, rudder. What is actually happening is we're transforming energy. We're moving it from one state of contraction and Um, and fear essentially into a place of expansion and love is that because expansion and love is within these examples of like a a a child or a pet they don't harbor any fear or those qualities they more come from a place of love so you're trying to put that onto yourself yeah I mean to be honest the reason that I do that is because it can be really challenged unfortunately it can be really challenging for a lot of people to tune into that energy I mean, I can't, for most people, I can't say to them, right, now tune into the energy of your love for yourself. They're like, what? That's why I'm here, Kay. (laughs) I could do that. I wouldn't need you. (laughs) And so the reality is that we need to use tools, if you like, to help us get there. And a pet or a child, they don't really, they, they have no shadows on that love. It's easy love, you know? That's why they serve us so beautifully is because they induce in us such delicious, authentic feelings of simple, pure love. So that's why we use them as um, tools to get there. Okay, so one of the first ways um, I use to transform fear in myself is through forgiveness. Okay, so as I explained there with that moment where that boss called me, 
I was able to transform, like I felt that crescendo, you know, we all have that, you know, real rush of energy. It's a rush of energy. And all your body's doing is how are we going to respond? Is it love or fear, love or fear? That's the option you have in that moment. And I even, and I responded in anger toward myself and judgment. And I was able to transform that through my awareness and through my acceptance and forgiveness of myself into a place of gratitude. Wow, I just, that was a real moment for me. It was a watershed moment. And, and so really becoming used to observing yourself being bitchy perhaps, or being sarcastic and walking away from that experience and recognizing what you've just done. And maybe having a moment of feeling bad about it as you judge yourself, then putting your hand on your heart and saying to yourself, I forgive you. I forgive you. And if necessary, perhaps forgiving the people around you. You know, using forgiveness is such a, it's like gratitude. They're both really powerful ways of, of tuning into an energy that helps you open up and expand. And when we hold on to things, when we refuse to forgive, the only thing that's happening is that the poison from that experience is sitting in our system. It's not affecting that other person. We're the ones carrying the burden. And so forgiveness is a key to freedom on so many levels. Um, the Hawaiians have a beautiful prayer called the Ho'oponopono prayer. And it's, uh, it is like this, it says, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And you can use that prayer for yourself. So you can put your hand on your heart and say, I'm sorry, Kay. Please forgive me, Kay. Thank you, Kay. I love you, Kay. Okay. And then it really does help you, especially putting your hand on your heart. It really creates that profound connection with yourself and it helps you shift into a new place. So that's a a really powerful technique. Also self-soothing. So this is something that I do a lot of work around um, because this is how we develop that inner narrative within yourself. And the reality is you already have a narrative. It's the one you're experiencing right now, but it's one that is, has often been in reaction to past experiences and people that you've met. What we want to do is start to actively re- train if you like that narrative to support and um, empower you and the reason that I focus so much on narrative is because our voices what we say is super impactful on our energy when you think about it if I sat here and said to you Kaz I think you're really insightful passionate intelligent beautiful creative, funny, caring. Thank you. Good. <laughs> Sorry, I should say good. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I say good is because whilst I was saying those things, the face you made was like shock horror. And I'm not, internally, I was like, but surely you know this. <laughs> and anyway, the point is, I say all those things to you, firstly, Kaz, because I 100% mean it. And I, I'm really grateful that you received that. And Secondly, because that feels nice, right? Feels really lovely to hear those beautiful things. Your heart opens because it's like, oh, I'm safe. I'm being received. I'm being seen. I'm being appreciated. 
and it creates an energy in you right away that is expansive and loving. If I listed all a bunch of things that were the opposite of that, your response would be the exact opposite. You would feel really hurt. You would go into contraction, which means that you, your system would go into protection mode. Walls would go up internally. And, and so we really get to witness the power of our words. Now, this is really something when you're externally offering words, but it's even more potent when you look at the narrative and the words that you're using towards yourself. These is are the this, words you hear all the time. Is this an example of um, victim narrative? It is, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, in an example, I, I remember when I first worked with you and I know this is tied to another topic as well but just briefly you would talk about what is your narrative and a lot of the ways I would answer questions with people externally was to dive into a victim mindset so to give you an example um, I lost someone to cancer and it was a really terrible time and I used to explain that as and it is, it's awful, but I would now describe it as I lost this person. It taught me that I'm so strong and it taught me that I trust myself in my decisions and it taught me, and I would list these positive things. Um, you know, that might not be the best example, but in whatever situation it is that's happened to you in the past, you can actually describe the positive lesson that came from that experience in what you learned from it yourself in how you describe it to other people. That's it. That's exactly right. And I think that's a really great example, actually. I yeah. think, you know, how you choose to look back on what's happened to you and describe it is so impactful on how you feel about yourself it also stops people um i think a lot of the time we we go into that victim mentality and we criticize mm -hmm. and by doing that it gives the person that we're talking to the the ability to control your own narrative and if you can sit in it and and list even if it's a bad thing why that happened how you feel about it and how you're moving forward as an example mm -hmm. the person that you're talking to has no ability to then twist that into their own mm -hmm. story or narrative so yeah. I think that's quite powerful too because I often find myself explaining my situation quite differently now to other people mm -hmm. yeah and, and this by no means means that just for the listeners that we don't honor the journey that we've been through um you know suffering and um sadness and anger all these emotions it's not that we're trying to dismiss them it's actually that we're trying to deeply sit acknowledge and then seek to move through and transform them otherwise we can get stuck in places which keep us at a vibration at an energy at a feeling that does not empower us hmm. and it's actually just about really recognizing how much we care about ourselves in order to change our narratives so that we are constantly supporting ourselves actively as often as possible. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really great example, to be honest. Well, I'll just say as well, it took years. It's not, it's, it's not a process that I can now talk about it in a more positive um 
light, like for those people that don't know, I lost my father to brain cancer and I was a carer for him um, during that time. And I remember um, it was such a challenging time and such a heartbreaking and sad time. And I don't discount discount that at all or or what that impact was on our family but I can honestly say now that I learned so much about myself in the process and I learned how compassionate I am like it's still to this day so um that's the narrative that I now choose to have on that not like poor me it happened to me like I I went through all that for years Mm -hmm. probably until I started working with you not just in that aspect of my life but just that why me poor me it it was a different narrative now it's probably more empowering than anything else so that I don't know how you would how you would give tools to people well that's a good question on how to change their narrative gradually (laughs) yeah so it's the first thing is having the awareness so firstly really observing when someone says how are you how you're responding to that Okay. That's a good one for the moment now. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And I find it fascinating when I'm asked. So we're in Sydney, so we're in lockdown. So at the moment. So when we're asking people, when I bump into people, I'm like, how are you doing? And it really fascinates me to see how people respond to that because it tells me a lot about where they're at. And as I said, it's not because we don't want to be honest, but it's just about how we, we're the person that hears our story the most. I might see 10 different people when I go for a walk, but I'm telling them the same story. So who hears it the most? Me. And so who's being brainwashed by my story? Me. And so it's about really understanding, like, what story do I want to tell myself? And how powerful do I want to think and feel about myself? Because my mind is like a garden and it's completely neutral in terms of how it responds to what I put in it, but it will respond. And so if I plant seeds of positivity and self-empowerment, self-belief, it's going to respond to that. It's going to help that flourish. If I plant seeds of self-doubt, self-anger, self-judgment, self-criticism, it's going to respond to that and flourish. So it's just using this increased awareness to serve yourself in a way that helps you feel more supported. You know, I think then that desire to seek constant support and validation from the people around us is far more diminished because we just don't need it anymore. It's just not necessary. We're, we're like, no, no, I've got this covered. Thanks. And, and so that's where that's a really self-soothing, honestly, to me, is the most powerful tool. And not just in um, in terms of finding a positive or an empowering slant. Also, you know, when you're going through the challenge. So I had a beautiful client actually yesterday and she's going through a breakup with someone that she loves dearly. And, and, and it's about honoring that process, but equally holding yourself through that really gently and really lovingly and saying to yourself every day, you know, I give myself permission to experience this as fully as I need to, but I do know that this too shall pass and I trust myself and I believe in myself and this is going to get easier and there is more for me. And I am learning so much about who I am through this. So that's what I mean. We're not diminishing anything. We're just being really aware of how we choose to interact with it and using it in a way that serves us moving through it. 
as powerfully as possible. Um, so, and actually that leads into the last one really well, which is finding value. So helping ourselves find value in what we do or understanding what the value is in our behaviors is really powerful. So like we talked about earlier with sarcasm, we, what's the value in it? Or if I'm angry with someone, what's the value in this? This helps me start to unpick my behaviors to really deeply understand what's driving them from beneath, okay? Why do I constantly feel the need to rescue my mother? Yeah. Okay, this was one for me. Why do I, and that was because I felt responsible for her on some level. I know our relationship growing up had been challenging and somehow I'd slipped into the parent role and her the child. And this was something that I was partly responsible for creating and I had to take ownership of that. But it was only when I actually, cause I always felt angry around her. And I really noticed this because I didn't have this issue with my dad. And yet my mom just had to walk into the room and I'd be so furious. <laughs> and, and I could tell in the way I talked to her, I could be short and sharp. And, and on the flip side, I was always doing things for her. So it's like, oh, it's my mom. I'll do it. Don't worry. And, and it actually all came to a head when she came to visit me a few years back. And I was just we had a big row, basically. And then she left and I was like, this is so out of character for me. I, have, I know myself too much to allow this behavior to continue. And then I start to unpick it. Why am I angry? What's the value in this? And I've realized that the value in being angry with my mom was to punish her because I felt she was failing as a mom. Why was I the adult in this relationship? This is unfair, it's unjust. And so my anger to me, the value of my anger was to kind of, put on her a sense of, I was trying to wake her up. I was trying yeah. to make her, make her understand me. Which of course, trying to control her behavior exactly, in a way. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And of course that's never gonna happen. Why? Because we can never control anything. If anyone thinks that you can, I'm really sorry to break it to you, but never, okay? Not situations, people or anything. The only thing, I, I digress. I lied. Sorry. The only thing we can control is how we choose to show up. But anything external to us, that's up for grabs. So back to my mum and understanding my anger and resentment toward her were valuable to me because I thought on some bizarre level that by doing this to her, it would force her to change and become the mother I'd always wanted, which was this super caring, supportive, mature understanding like creative inspiring woman right because isn't that what we're sold isn't that what the films all show isn't that what everyone tells you is the mum to have I didn't have that mum and actually it was only through recognizing my energy the work I do in my energy work which is basically looking at everything from a spirit or a soul level which actually comes from a place of incarnation if you like and if this is a bit woo-woo for you I ask you to just bear with me right can we because... just explain woo-woo for a second oh sorry okay thank you if this is a bit hippie for you <laughs> I ask you to bear with me because I believe that for whatever my reasons were I selected I carefully chose my mother out of millions of women to be my mum in this life experience and I didn't do it in spite of all that she is. 
I looked at her light and her dark, her positives and her negatives, and I chose her because she was the perfect package for me. She was going to give me the experiences as a mother that I would need to step into myself and learn about myself in ways that I would not do otherwise. Therefore, she is a gift. Okay. And it was up to me to start to work with the way I perceived her in order to see and truly appreciate that. It was on me to take responsibility for that. And when I was able to recognize that my resentment toward her was caused by um, an ideal that had been sold to me by our culture about what the mother should I should have, and that my suffering came from the gap between who she should be and who she was, when I realized that, when I realized that someone, a, a culture had control over my th thoughts and beliefs and feelings towards my own mother, oh, that was a defining moment because I don't like other things being in control of my mind. I like to be in control of my own mind because it is my sanctuary and my temple. And so, so what shifted? How do you interact with your mother now? Oh my God, I love her so much. I mean, I always loved her, obviously, but now she walks in and she does all the things she used to do. And I think they're the cutest, silliest, funniest things yeah. because I don't take them personally anymore. Yeah. I don't take it as an attack because I'm no longer attacking her. Yeah. I don't need her to be anything. My love for her is now authentically unconditional. Mm. But that wasn't an overnight experience. That was me deeply sitting with the part of me that really was convinced I needed a different kind of mum. Yeah. It also, I might add, helped that I have had plenty of clients who've had the dream mum who've had the really kind, considerate, loving mum who come to me because they have trouble with confidence, mm. right? So this is the flip side of the coin. This is the unique, beautiful, oh, internally grateful that I have this opportunity, this perspective I'm constantly provided, which comes through so many different eyes of all the beautiful souls that want to work with me because they give me this diverse and rich reality in which other women with mums who sound to me like the gift mum have actually left them feeling like I can't make a decision without my mum guiding me in the right direction. Mm, I think back to the earlier part of our conversation about control and trying to, uh, you know, that mother might be trying to control because she's fearful of something and therefore it's created a behavior in the in the daughter yeah it all comes from the right intentions I love my daughter so much I don't want her to go out with that guy because blah 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 and she'll list off all her own issues that she's projecting onto her daughter and then I'll have the daughter come in and say my mom doesn't like my boyfriend and so I feel torn I I see what she sees but I still really love him and I, you know, and my response to that is, this is your life. You need to walk it, mm. you know, but then on the flip side, my mum, tumbleweed, <laughs> don't you who you like, love? <laughs> She's too busy doing her. And so I just had to like make my own mistakes and find my own way, but that was empowering too. So it's, you know, the grass, yes, sure. It's always going to be greener, but are you going to interact with the experience from a place of loss or from a place of gain? Mm. That's on you if you choose to take ownership of it mm. so that's finding value 
Yeah, so when you start to unpick a, a reaction or anger or fear or some sort of challenging reaction you're having to something, when you start to unpick it, the, the you know, why do I do this? What is the value in this? When you can let go of the judgment of it, oh, I'm a bitchy person, that's really bad. That's not going to serve you. Let go of the judgment. Don't. There's no judgment here. I'm bitchy. Great. Why? What is the benefit of being bitchy? makes me feel better. Why? Because I put other people down and it gives me a sense of superiority. Why? Because I don't feel I'm good enough. Why? Because I don't support myself. I'm constantly criticizing myself. Why? Because I just feel bad about who I am. Okay, well, how do we help you feel better about who you are? Let's start with finding reasons to appreciate you. What are you getting right? What do you like about yourself? It might just be that you're really good at organizing your wardrobe. Okay, can we start with anything? You might be good at cooking. You might be good at listening to your other friends. You might be a really good friend. You know, so it's just looking for reasons to start changing the relationship you have with yourself. But this is this is um, this is why I think this is a really important topic because I think it's important to follow the train of thought through the steps. That was why I had the aha moment with you when it comes to fear. Um, just quickly using my example of having a business in this challenging time of COVID and lots of uncertainty. So you, all the things I normally like to do control and um, control, I mean, by like, I, you know, in this situation, no one has control. And in the end, you learn that you can't control anything but yourself. And when I followed, I, I remember I came into Kay in the early days um, of COVID and when everything was very unclear and there was a lot of fear out there coming from the news, from friends, from like every direction. And it's almost a bit overwhelming. And I spoke to Kay about fear. And when I followed all the steps I realized at the end of the day I actually really trust myself in my own decisions and I chose to take that narrative from my lessons and therefore I'm going to have a different experience moving forward you want so, to walk through the steps just to give them the example fully so they understand what you mean do you mind yeah Don't. sure so what was the first step what was the the thing you were scared of um, well, I've got a lot of employees. I've got over 150 employees and I have a, a very um, great business full of beautiful people that I really care about. So my first thought ultimately was, oh my God, how in this world where all you were reading was that a lot of businesses are going to struggle, blah, blah, blah. How am I going to protect my, my team? So then you said, kept asking you and what what will you do next what will you do next if you can't help your team what will you do next and then I answered that by saying all the things that we were doing and then I would say but hey if the following happens and when I say if the following happens I am a doomsday preparer so like if there's a cyclone uh, I will prepare for that if there's just a bit of light rain it feels like a relief so I always my dad used to say 99% of things we worry about don't happen it's so true um, but I followed that through to disaster right which it's not going to happen but I followed that through to what if everything just completely crumbles and implodes and you said well, okay what would happen I'd say well 
it would be really bad. Yeah. And then, well, what about the staff? Well, what would happen to them? Well, they would find another job. Exactly. And what would you do? And I said, I would start again. And I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> I know that sounds really silly, but why that's so impactful is because when you follow that disaster thought that comes into your mind, no matter what it is about, no matter what the subject, you realize that ultimately when you get right to the end of that thought, the worst thing that can happen is not really what you think in your mind. So it's kind of eased, it's changed the way in which I'm dealing with my business through COVID as well. I'm coming from a place of love now rather than fear because I trust my team, I trust myself, and it's just created a whole different energy that I'm really, really grateful for by having that conversation because otherwise I would have had a really difficult time through COVID. But yeah, I just wanted to share that in the hope that it helps someone um, because recognizing why you're fearful and then following that thought through can really, really help. Yeah, absolutely. No, it does completely. And I think, you know, our, the stories, the fear stories can always, they're always so much scarier than the reality. We are a creative, imaginative bunch. <laughs> And we can come up with any sort of nightmare if you give us enough time. And actually, you know, when you're living in a world where you're surrounded by internal nightmares, you're going to live in a lot of fear. If you can find the courage, and I do this with, this is where the energy techniques I, choose, I, I teach in um, the Alchemize Method, actually. Um, it's actually about understanding that when you can face like feel into the things that cause you fear, anger, whatever it might come up as in your system, when you can feel into the yucky feeling and continue to feel into it, what will happen is the feeling will dissipate. I call it walking through the fog. And actually what happens is you'll feel fear really, really strongly up front. The same way when you walk into a fog, it can get really, really thick and you can not know where you're going. You can feel into your fear, it can feel really terrifying, but if you keep feeling into it, the fear will dissipate and the energy will dissipate and it will transform into ease. And so if you can take an honest look at where you're showing up with any of the you know, areas that we've spoken about today and ask yourself where you are valuing or what value you're getting from it, then you can start to get a much clearer idea of perhaps a new narrative that you can start to create internally that will help you feel safer and more secure within yourself so you don't feel necessary to use those behavior tools to be heard, to be seen and to express yourself. You can start to gently and over time create new ways of responding to situations and most importantly a new way to connect and be yourself I love that <laughs> good as long as Kaz is happy we're all happy <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Kaz for joining thank me thank you today. And You're thank welcome. everybody for tuning in. Um, as I say, if you have any topics you would like us to talk about, please send them into hello at kwilson.love. We would love to hear from you or any feedback. That would be wonderful. Um, also, you can access this podcast 
um, through YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Apple Podcasts and Amazon. Please leave a review and subscribe. We really appreciate su the support and we will speak to you soon. Take care and have a great day. Bye, Bye. guys.